0: I want to redefine Darwinian theory. It is not the survival of the fittest, it is the extension of generosity of surplus Mm. to other members in the ecological community to build biodiversity. So it's not
1: the individual that survives, it's the community that cooperates that survives. You are listening to the Real Leaders Podcast, your number one source for impact leaders harnessing capitalism to sustain the planet, people, and profits. I'm your host. Kevin Edwards, and that message, my friends, was from Paul Stamets, a world-renowned mycologist and an ambassador for the fungal kingdom. And in today's episode, I asked Paul why fungi should have equal funding to technology, the misconceptions of psilocybin, and what Darwin got wrong. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for the real Paul Stamets. Enjoy. All right, and welcome, everyone, to this special episode. I'm your host, Kevin Edwards. Along with me, we have Paul Stamets, an ambassador for the Fungal Kingdom. Paul, thanks for being with us today. Well, thank you very much. Honored to be here. San Francisco, California, Singularity University's Global Summit. What brings you to the Global Summit?
0: Well, the singularity that people don't realize, or most people don't realize, is that we are descendants of fungi. We were born from fungi. 650 million years ago, fungi gave birth to animals. And so the, many of these mushroom species are much older than we are. We were basically little voles at the time that mushrooms had their true forms, many of them. And so... uh, mycelial networks, um, multicellular organisms. The first evidence of a multicellular organism uh, has been found in lava beds, um, and it is of mycelium. Hmm. And so, um, the multicellular organisms when they came to land, when they came to and to land in the form of mycelium, these fungal networks, the fine little threads. Anybody can go out right now, find an old piece of wood on the ground, tip it over, and see mycelium. Hmm. It's virtually everywhere. Under a single footstep, you can have more than 400 miles of these fungal networks. In a single cubic inch, they can be more than 8 miles. Now, think of this. The largest organism in the world is a mycelial mat in eastern Oregon, 2,200 acres in size. Um, and it navigates through a very microbially hostile environment. In a single gram of soil, there can be more than a 1,000 species of bacteria and literally millions of microbes, yet the mycelium navigates through, and indeed, it sets up the microbial biome in the ecosystem. So once people understand that fungi and these micellar networks are the foundation of the food web, they consume rocks, they release minerals to plants, they pair with plants and mycorrhizae, mycorrhizal associations means plants and fungi come together and they give the plants the ability to absorb more nutrition and to resist disease and the microbiomes of the beneficial bacteria are set up by these fungal networks to help the biodiversity of the ecosystem and so they are deterministic mm. because they have a vested interest in the survival of the ecosystem that creates the plants that grows the trees and the vegetation that then fall and decompose and feed the progeny the descendants of fungi so they are deterministic in the evolution of habitat. so the singularity is that we are descendants of fungi fungi have been here a lot longer than we have They're network-based organisms, and we know about how important networks are, the computer internet, the brain brain networks. And so understanding that our origins come from this wellspring of these fungal networks should give us pause to think about how we can preserve the very foundation of the ecosystems that give us life. Reinvesting in fungi is a very, very wise investment. With all this technology at at this conference, we can't literally lose sight of the complexity and the inherent uh, wisdom of nature. And the more that we deforest, destroy the ecosystems, the more we're we're shooting ourselves in the foot. Mm. And we can have the most great computer technologies, but if you don't have air to breathe, clean water to drink, or
1: food to eat. Good luck on your iPhone and your droid when you when the ecosystems collapse. Right. Well Paul with you know this conference being so focused around tech, AI, ton of capital and ton of investors here. Investing in this new technology for the businesses. Is there a lack of funding towards uh, the, the fungi kingdom and, and should a- there be more? Absolutely. There's
0: only 50,000 mycologists in the world really? approximately. I believe that mycology should be funded equal to the computer industry because it's so fundamental to our survival. And... Um, People wonder, well, how do these fungi affect us? Well, we just published an article in Nature, Scientific Reports. Mm. Uh, we may, hopefully, have a solution to colony collapse with bees. Bees are dying off all over the world. One of every three bites of food that you consume uh, comes to you because of bee pollination. Right. Wild bees are dying off uh, in a way that we can hardly even calculate, but the honeybees I have 10 beehives. When you have colony collapse, you go out on Monday, your beehives are fine, you go out on Thursday, all the bees are gone. And it's because a, a group of viruses being st- spread by the Varroa destructor. Uh, mite. And this road destructor mite was introduced in the United States from around 1984. It originally came from Asia, but it's like a dirty hypodermic syringe to the bees and it's putting a slew of viruses into the bees that now are shortening their ability to pollinate. Bees used to fly, hmm. when you see bees on a flower, it's the last nine days of their lives. And they go and they pollinate up to a thousand flowers a day, but now bees, rather than flying for nine days, are only flying for four or five days hmm. so that means four or five thousand flowers per day four, four, four or five thousand less almonds per day right. cherries yeah. apples I mean it goes on and on so because of this debilitating virus coupled with pesticides loss of habitat deforestation factory farming uh, glyphosphates, uh interferes with the microbiome this is an, an unfortunate perfect storm of, of stressors, and see life and death and health and disease is a series of coefficient multipliers, factors. It's a multifactorial equation. Life is, mm. and you have these stressors and coefficients. Then the end of the equation is health or disease, longevity or dying. You know, uh, uh, much quicker than you should, and so. What well, we have found, and we published in Scientific Reports, that this amadou mushroom, that my hat is made from okay. this mushroom, reduces uh, some of these I'm viruses. Sure. Yeah, it's a wood conk. Be... Oh, okay. And some ladies in Transylvania made this hat. And you can put this mushroom into ash and water, and after a few days, it delaminates into mycelium. So this, mushrooms are made of mycelium. Mycelium makes mushrooms. The mycelium is the root of the mushroom, like the roots to a tree. The mycelium is the my, is the roots of the mushroom. Okay. And so these yeah. the mycelial networks navigate for hundreds of years, and then may produce a fleshy mushroom that comes up and disappears in a few days. So it's a proverbial tip of the iceberg, but these underground networks, seemingly invisible, but not Mm -hmm. invisible to those of us who know, walk out into nature, realize that under every footstep you take are miles of mycelium. The mycelial networks are alive. They're creating the soil webs. We are benefiting from the consequences of healthy mycelial networks. The viruses that are reduced by this mushroom that we published, reduces the viruses, in one case, 45,000 times, with one treatment uh, extracts put into the extracts of the sugar water that commercial beekeepers feed. Now, this is an extraordinary result, and we're able to demonstrate, and the reason why our Nature Scientific Reports article to this day is in the top 1% of all scientific articles ever downloaded in the Nature publication ecosystem is because we're able to demonstrate a natural product has a broader biofield, bio shield of benefits than a pure pharmaceutical. Hmm. That's because of the complexity of nature, the complexity of our immune system. And so it appears it upregulates immune enhancing genes, which then secondarily and consequentially uh, enables your immune system to fight pathogens, including viruses.
1: And that's been a big discussion at this conference, is how connected everything is. And you were just referring to uh, the bees, like the parasitic symbiotic relationship with that. Um, Climate change uh, affects ecosystems as well. Um, How can mushrooms work with us? And how can technology help mushrooms to create and, and strengthen that mutualistic symbiotic relationship?
0: Well, the good thing about
1: technology,
0: it's like the invention of the microscope. Uh, now with cloud computing, uh, with nanotechnology, with the ability to be able to take big data, we're looking at now that the big data in the ecosystems. When you have a thousand species of bacteria in a gram of soil, more than, you know, eight miles of mycelium in a cubic inch, you know, the, the inner molecular communication channels that are occurring, creating these guilds of a multi-special ecosystem uh, bow, b- boggles the mind in terms of the computational uh, complexity. And so I think big data is struggling to catch up with nature. Mm. The hubris of humans is thinking that we're smarter than nature right? and that we can, you know, and all this technology is going to save us. None of this technology will save us unless it is invested in the natural systems, So, I'm a big fan of Elon Musk, but going to Mars, are you friggin' kidding? You're going to a prison who has no ecosystems where people are going to have enormous psychological issues, they're going to look at that beautiful blue pl- planet in the distance and wish that they were there. Mm. We shouldn't leave this planet. I am all about space exploration. I right. love it. Right. And I think terraforming other planets with fungi will be uh, uh, a, a great way of creating new satellite Earths you know, around the cosmos or helping condition those already existing Earth-like planets to be human-supporting. But we need to really look at the intelligence and complexity of evolution. I want to redefine Darwinian theory. It is not the survival of the fittest. It's the extension of generosity of surplus Mm. to other members in the ecological community to build biodiversity. So it's not the individual that survives, it's Mm. the community that cooperates that survives. And these are enormously wealthy people here and many people listening here don't uh, can't even imagine that the wealth of people who who are at this conference i think it's imperative that they reinvest in the commons the best way to reinvest the commons from a commercially you know commercial mindset is to understand by reinvesting in the commons, you will have greater profits, not only for yourself, but then be able to give those profits to the commons. So that's something I'm really passionate about.
1: Oh, I appreciate that. And I can sympathize with that. I grew up in the Northwest, obviously, full of nature. I'm always out in the trees, and I can appreciate that. So when we think about our impact on the environment and society, I personally am impacted. Do you think that's a problem nowadays that people aren't as immersed in the environment and, and kind of look the other way and look towards technology? and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. How many,
0: I I hike in the Old Growth Forest a lot. Yeah. I hike in the Cascades and the Olympics. Beautiful. And um, there's astonishing, the drop-off and the number of people hiking in the Old Growth Forest and in the Olympics and the Cascades compared to 30 years ago. Right. 30 years ago, we'd encounter lots of people. Now, the number of visitors, you know, I'm sure there's some metrics on this, um, has declined drastically because if they, people don't get an iPhone or signal or a Wi-Fi signal, they're addicted to their devices to the point that they've been distracted from enjoying experientially and spiritually uh, uh, nature. So um, it, just like the ma- movies like The Matrix and other movies that have come out, there's one movie, I don't remember the exact name of it, but there's a beautiful uh, a wall, and you think it was a window of waterfalls and mountains. And then the, the, the electrical field got disturbed, and you, know, you saw it really static, and it was Look a lights, screen. Right. And as a person living in a polluted, ur- super urbanized city in a small, tiny apartment, like in Shanghai. Uh, it, when the nostalgia of nature was being provided on the video screen, but it showed that the human need to be in, cont- uh, in contact with nature, unfortunately, was not being met uh, by, quote unquote, the real world. And Instead, there was a VR world, a virtual reality world, that was trying to appease those receptors that I think all of us know that we need to get back in touch uh, with nature. So.
1: Well, I'm gonna change subjects on you. We had a big section on mental health and the opioid crisis. Talked a little bit about it yesterday with you. Um, And from what I've learned is uh, opioid addiction, there's no one size cure all solution, but it it has to be managed, whether it's pre-exposure, exposure, exposure, withdrawal symptoms, inpatient or outpatient recovery. Um, But I did read a study in the Wall Street Journal. It said Cybacillin or LSD, I don't know the the scientific name behind it, had like a 40% success rate. Are we misunderstanding uh, the use, that the um, health uses of, of psychedelics, I guess.
0: We have because of a cultural prejudice. And, you know, in the 60s, there was a there sure. was a, a cultural revolution, basically. The environmental movement, the anti-Vietnam War movement, the psychedelic movement, and then the birth of the computer internet technology. Yeah. All those were co-occurring at the same time. Um, and unfortunately, when you have a powerful tool... That is not put in the hands of responsible, experienced um, citizens and leaders. It can be abused. Uh, so the psychedelic medicine research was set back a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, Timothy Leary uh, popularized it, but he really, unfortunately, sabotaged a lot of the legitimate oh, really? research. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some great things to say about him, uh, and there's a lot of things that, retrospectively, I think he, he himself would recognize that there would have been a better path. How do they kept it within the medical community? Um, also, oh, okay. our, our society lacks um, um, the rights of ascending into adulthood, and um, these initiation rights in indigenous cultures, when a child becomes uh, uh, an adult, uh, there's a very specific initiation rights that have been, uh, that are have traditions. Unfortunately, us and... Americans, many of us from Europeans are displaced. You know, we are not the first peoples. The first peoples of this country understood this very, very well. We are a displaced population that unfortunately has become, quote unquote, divorced uh, from many of the rituals that helped us ascend into adulthood, into the greater wisdom. The psychedelic plants and medicines were very much a part of that in many indigenous cultures. Um, so, the problem in the 60s is that we didn't have those traditions, we didn't have those rituals, we didn't have experienced leaders. And so, inexperienced leaders, then unfortunately, because of ego and popularity and also the, the you know, counterculture rebellion against authority, all these things unfortunately sabotaged um, the legitimate use of these psychedelics. Now, we are looking at the opioid crisis. My son. is an an opioid addict
1: Mm -hmm. same with my brother yeah
0: my son is vacationing uh, in prison right now
1: Mm. okay sorry
0: um and he is not ready to try psychedelic medicines Uh, many addicts are um so I'm I think kind of personally and I should indeed be careful um but I reserve the right to treat my family and my son with what I think the best medicines that are, that are out there. Yeah, um, absolutely. But this, the opioid crisis is pandemic. Mm-hmm. It is so harmful. You know, psychedelics cannot, are not addictive. You know, you, you take a psychedelic mushroom experience and most people who had done, haven't done this don't know this, but the next day, if you see the mushrooms on the table, you go, no way, I'm not touching those right. for a long that was time, a lot. right? Not <laughs> a lot, I'm gonna process it for a while. So they have no addictive potential, but they, they rewire the biochemistry of the mind temporarily. Mm. You know, there's an opportunity coupled comp- with professional therapy to change the biochemistry of the mind and to have a, a in a sense, rebooting the, the, the mind. And that's why Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, mm. is very, very epicentered on that concept. And so, uh, thankfully, the Food and Drug Administration, the FDA scientists, um, have looked very, very critically at the science without prejudice, and they've come out with statements saying this is the least toxic, most powerful psychotherapeutic drug they've ever seen. Uh, In the toxicology studies, these things are virtually non-toxic, but they have a tremendously powerful experience temporarily. Now, um, I have done many of these psychedelic drugs. I experience and go on a journey with mushrooms maybe once a year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I'm, I, Nature provides. I don't. So make that very clear. I had a DEA license or covered by one for about 10 years. I published four new species in the genus Cilosophy, the psilocybin mushroom yeah. uh, a genus. Um, and so the um, use of these mushrooms therapeutically is opening up a door to be able to save society money and harm, harm reduction. Now think of the, if you, your brother, my son, how much is the prison paying? to house him what is he contributing to a society his court dates keep on getting delayed anybody gone through the court system knows this well it's extremely inefficient delay after delay after delay resources our taxes are paying for those resources of a basically a dysfunctional system if you've got a four to six four to six hour experience and change that person and your brother your sister your daughter your father your mother you know your brother can be reformed as a responsible citizen. Are you going to argue me that your your ill-informed prejudice against psychedelic mushrooms uh, is something that you should not try? When you look at the societal benefits, the return on the investment, the benefit-reward ratio is so high. Now, to be clear, you just mentioned 40%. Some other addiction profiles are 25%. The That's still better than any drug out there that's been approved by the FDA for being able to help addicts. Right. And so this is something we all live in the commons. We're, we're all hands on deck. We're all in this mothership together. Right. Whether your mothership is your family, whether, whether it's your neighborhood, whether it's your village, your city, your state, your country, or this planet, we're all echoes of the health of the minute. Right. and if we cannot solve internally the problems within our family then there's many other families that are sharing those problems and that reverberates out into the matrix
1: of human existence many other families I know plenty of other families I don't think I know one friend that doesn't know someone that hasn't well, been affected by
0: this. I'm, I, my hat's off to the Republicans who have yeah. woken up because they have this personal problem within their families yes. and they are coming on board um, MAPS um, uh, the uh, multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies has uh, received several uh, grants okay. and approvals now with the FDA oh, wow. for PTSD. Okay. They, they strategically very... Uh, Rick Doblin and his great team really went uh, to try to help veterans with PTSD uh, because the veteran administration you know, is looking for solutions. Uh, they're apolitical. They want to find solutions for the veterans. Mm. And so they opened up the door but in a a, a secondary conversation I heard with FDA regulators and scientists uh, when it, it was they were approached about psychedelics for PTSD. For veterans, the FDA scientists stopped them and said, no, this is not just about veterans. This is about rape victims. This is about child abuse. This is about anyone who suffered psychological abuse. Now, Mm. I know very intimately that when you're abused as a child, you have lifelong issues that you have to deal with. I know several personal friends that are dealing with issues, and I've seen them dealing with these issues for 20 or 30 years, they have not been resolved. Mm -hmm. What these psychedelic medicines do, and psilocybin mushrooms in particular, because the experience is short. The problem with LSD is 12 to 14 hours, and when you do LSD, for me, the next day I felt over. With with psilocybin mushrooms, the next day you feel younger, you know? Got it. It also, interestingly, conforms to an eight hour workday for the psychotherapists uh, and the doctors. Mm. They clock in at eight, they go out at five. Well, you can give a patient it's mushrooms at 10 and they can walk out of the clinic at 4 o'clock, right? right? So yeah, they have this am- life-changing experience but it actually conforms to the workday right. so it's also very uh, very helpful and being able to be integrated into medical practices so now to be clear on this um, Johns Hopkins uh, UCLA um, a number of other universities you can go on the net people should a good medical advice they should do this in a in a clinically acceptable medical setting right. um, and they should follow the rules and not break the law i'm absolutely squeaky clean uh, i'm an expert on psilocybin mushrooms but nature provides i don't one of the very important things in my life that i realized is i will i don't give psilocybin mushrooms to anyone because i don't want to be responsible for your trauma. right? You're going to go through a, a trauma-resolving experience. Mm. You're going to relive your trauma and then come to uh, to reconciliation. Mm. That's a lot of work. That's not my job, and I don't want a responsibility of somebody uh, having, you know, yeah. I'm responsible for their experience. So I have enough issues of my own I'm dealing with, you know? Sure. Um, so that's why it's really important that... This is, uh, we create the structures in modern society with our best technology and uh, and the wisdom of science to be able to maximize the benefit in a way that we don't drop the ball on this. We don't fumble the ball because if... If we do, then this will set us back into what happened in the 60s and 70s with the Timothy Leary, and then we lose this huge opportunity. But when you get 25%, 40% of these patients, then being able to break their addictive cycles from one experience, and they don't have to do it again, Mm -hmm. I, I think that brings to society an enormous uh, emotional, economic, and political benefit.
1: And I think that's important because you, you know it's important for our viewers to know you're, you're not making a pitch. You're not trying to give people mushrooms, like you said. Yeah. Nature provides, you don't. Um, you know, And that's important to know going in. And that's important that you're saying that. That's the message that needs to get out there because... People that you know, have a strong opinion about, say, you. I'm a pharmaceutical company, like, I'm not going to say my farmers are bad, I'm going to give you more pharma for your pain. And that's why I think was so difficult when the medical examiners or the medical field came out and said, let's treat pain. Now the average diagnosis to give someone an opiate prescription is 13 seconds. You got back pain, here you go. It's creating this opioid problem, especially for my family members and others. And to touch on your points about um, the struggles and, and things, it's all connected. It is. It all, kind of, it all my my
0: uh, girlfriend is a pain doctor. Yeah. She's a medical doctor. She actually works in a hospital clinic environment.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, it's been so interesting to her, uh, to me, to learn from her about pain. So much of these inflammatory cycles become resident within the, within your inflammatory pathways of your body. So actually, oh, okay. you can actually have an injury and have uh, chronic pain but the pain cycle pathways become resident. And even though the injury may have gone, the patients are still experiencing pain. They are experiencing real pain, even though the injury has resolved because the inflammatory pathways have been set up metabolically. Hmm. And how do you interrupt those? So that's really, you you can mollify them with opiates, Mm. but that doesn't resolve the inflammatory pathways. And so what's really interesting is the potential of psilocybin mushrooms and these other compounds to allow you to interrupt the inflammatory uh, uh, merry-go-round that you're on. And you can yeah. you can you can break that cycle. Huh. And once you have a new pathway established, the inflammatory pathways are no longer resonant. And so, so much of this pain becomes psychological. Mm-hmm. And, and and as my uh, my my doctor friend has told me, these patients are really experiencing it. Mm. But we know it's psychological. And if we can break the the psychological uh, uh, entrained reaction, then biochemically. The body can can go back into homeostasis,
1: right? Because isn't when you take a drug, isn't the brain just like flipping a switch? It's not really actually like the drug itself, isn't it? The brain just controlling everything. You no, know, I think it's more
0: complicated than that.
1: Okay. And I, I, but I <laughs> I appreciate
0: sense. the the nuance of your thinking. I mean. You know, again, it's hard to paint the canvas with one brush. You know, there's many doctors watching this. I would say it's much more complicated (laughs) than that. But (laughs) yes, but not a a doctor, not going to pretend like no. (laughs) But and then and even my friend's uh, patients, you know, there are some patients that she's been unable to help. Mm, Um, And there's you know, there's inflammatory viruses. There's illnesses um, that can be resident within uh, your own body's ecosystem that may not be evident. Mm-hmm. And so there could actually be a, a cause and effect relationship that's beyond the psychological uh, merry-go-round that I mentioned. Okay. So it, it's a much, it's a, it's, you know, pain is a, a broad umbrella
1: right. of a symptom that has many uh, root causes. Got it, got it. Colorado just, I don't know if they de- decriminalize or legalize Cybacillin, Um but what would you like to see going forward in, in four years? In well, I think decriminalizing nature, uh, uh,
0: the Oakland movement uh, is, makes it a uh, Perfect sense to me. I've long believed how dare humans have the hubris to outlaw a species. Come on, give it up. Right? right? And these mushrooms have been here longer than we are. Right. You know, we are descendants of fungi. We're going to outlaw our ancestors? So, yeah. I mean, that is it's so antithetical to the origins of our
1: own biology. But what they did. That's actually it, crazy to think about.
0: It is. We, yeah.
1: It is absurd. Like, you know. I want that point to go unnoticed. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's really interesting. We're nature.
0: Yeah. And then like, you know, would you make your uh, the memories of your grandfather or grandmother illegal? Would you make your grandfather illegal? Well, how many generations do you want to go back? Right. So um, so the, the exciting thing about the field of mycology and the why that. I come to these conferences is that I've opened up the mindscape of many smart people uh, who realize that this has been hiding in plain sight. Mm. It is so fundamental to the, the to our existence that for us not to know this at this stage, you know, we are truly Neanderthals with nuclear weapons, and unless we become more responsible citizens on this planet, we will be ejected out of this biosphere as a pathogen. And so now the planet will survive. I have Mm -hmm. no doubt about that. Fungi and bacteria will survive. But will the ecosystems have uh, the ability to sustain human existence? Right now in the cities, we depend upon the farms. We depend upon the forests. We, we end up urbanizing this entire planet. Absolutely. The life support systems collapse. And even though Elon Musk is a great you know, genius, you know, you are not going to be able to give the complexity of nature to create a life support systems on the scale that we have today. We should consider the Earth as our sacred library and laboratory. We should use the Earth biome as a library and laboratory to be able to replicate it on other planets. We lose that library of knowledge. We cannot transport that information uh,
1: into the future. Well, Paul, as an ambassador of the fungal kingdom, what advice do you have for leaders around the world?
0: Most important, simplest thing to do, I think, is for people to plant trees, to take their children in the walks into the forest, celebrate decomposition, let wood rot. When you have a storm or a tree falls down, give up the concept of the Elizabethan highly manicured yard. Is that neighbor that's down the street that has debris and brush. Nature likes highly fractalized uh, niches at different orders of magnitude that gives complexity to the habitat so the microbiome and the diversity of the organisms can thrive within that ecosystem. Mm. We need to free frame our thinking that decomposition is bad. I'm gonna decompose, you're gonna decompose, you're gonna decompose. We're all part of this biome matrix that streams through time. We need to celebrate and own our decomposition because we give and create
1: the soil for future generations. Paul. Well said. Appreciate your time here on the Real Years Podcast. Talked about a lot. Talked about uh, uh, the diversity of the fungal kingdom. We talked about its effect on drugs and, and addiction. Um, and we talked about what leaders need to know and what some of the misconceptions about the fungal kingdom. Appreciate your time here on the, the Real Years Podcast. For Paul Stamets, I'm Kevin Edwards telling you all to keep it real. Yeah, thank you, Baseball. Kevin. Hey, appreciate it. All right, good people, and thank you for tuning into this episode of The Real Leaders Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And if you haven't yet subscribed, then please, by all means, hit the subscribe button to start receiving notifications of this podcast. If you haven't left a review yet, you're a loyal subscriber to the podcast. Let us know what you like, what you want more of, and how we can improve your experience. And for lucky listeners today... Well, you're gonna walk away with a free Real Leaders magazine. All you gotta do is go online to realleaders.com/slash subscribe and enter in coupon code podcast25. And for the visual learners today, make sure you go onto YouTube, check out our new YouTube channel. It's at Real Leaders Magazine to watch this interview with Paul and sit and enjoy at home. Thanks again, everyone, for being a real leader, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Real Leaders Podcast.